We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Today, I'm here with John Mitchell. Uh, John is in London and has been here for uh, just over three weeks. Yeah. Uh, coming from South Africa. South Africa. South Africa, yeah. And John, it's good to have you back in Homeland for a little bit. Yeah, and, thanks. And uh, you've got quite a story. And uh, how did you end up in in Africa, of all places? I, I know that you were mm-hmm. involved in business, went to UWO. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, there was a major life change. Yeah. So I guess even going, going back from the start, I, I grew up in a, a Christian home, uh, went to church. Yeah, I felt, feel like... I had a, a relationship with God from, from an early age, mm-hmm. um, sensed his presence and his leading in my life and, and tried my best to live according to the Bible and um, what I'd learned in church. And High school was rocky. High school was, I had maybe a teenage experience similar to a lot of people, just kind of got swept into the crowd and how people were um, living, and, uh, but just didn't feel any peace. Yeah, didn't feel right with God and didn't just feel good about the choices I was making and how I was living my life and yeah how it was impacting people around me mm-hmm. so probably around 17 or 18 God started to work into my life and really show me that rockiness and and just call me home and so over a process of a probably a year um, just rediscovering faith really digging into the Bible again and just seeing who Jesus is and, and who he's not and rediscovering faith and so at that point, I was all ready to go to university. I had pretty decent marks from grade 12 and, and was ready. And, and God just kind of wasn't giving me any peace about it and wasn't really giving me any direction on what university I should choose. And in that process, I fasted a bit and really got the sense that God wanted me to, to do Bible college. So it was actually at Bible college. That was, that was kind of the start of, of getting me to Africa. And It mainly happened from, there was a missions conference, and like I was telling you when we spoke yesterday, I don't remember a lot from Bible college, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of sermons, there's a lot of classes that you take, and um, I think I soaked in a lot, but I I don't know how much I actually could quote for you, but I do remember one quote from the missions conference. I, I don't know who it came from or what he was doing in the world, but he just said, pray that God breaks your heart for the things that break yours. 
Say it again. Pray that God breaks your heart for the things that break his. Yes. <laughs> that's what I, that, yes. that's right. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that just stuck with me. And I just decided, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, what do I have to lose? <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to wake up and in my prayer time, I'm just going to keep praying that prayer as a part of my prayers. And so daily, I, I would consistently pray that prayer. God, break my heart for the things that break yours. And so I prayed that prayer for probably like six months. Wow. And just felt nothing, didn't really sense anything different, but, mm-hmm. but just had this consistent perseverance in it, just wanting to keep praying that prayer. I don't even, like, I can't really even describe why, but I just knew it was right. And then eventually, yeah, probably around the six month mark, God just started ripping my heart apart for injustice and poverty and some of the things taking place in in the world. And I remember, and I'm a pretty unemotional guy, pretty logical, steady. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember going into my room and like soaking my pillow in tears. I was just so heartbroken and torn up about different injustice that was taking place in the world. And kind of that path led me to to start looking, to start seeing what types of things are going on in the world, who are some people, some Christians that are trying to do something to to combat injustice, to help the poor. And that led me to finding an organization called Hands at Work in Africa. And so when I was 20 years old, I, I got on a plane by myself and and flew over to to South Africa to to join um, the organization for six months. The organization? Hands at work. Hands at work. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So what were you doing? What was I doing when I got to Africa? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I think when when you're young and you decide to <laughs> to pick up your life and, and move over to Africa, um, there's a bit of that mentality that whether you want to admit it or not, that I'm gonna go change the world. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna come over and you know, just with all my energy and enthusiasm and um, I'm going to, I'm going to change the situation. Maybe a little bit of help from God. Yeah. yeah. God's going <laughs> to, God's going to help me, but, yep. but I'm going to go over there and mm-hmm. um, I want to, I want to help. I want to help this situation. I want to throw myself into this. And I got over there and realized pretty quick that I didn't have much to offer <laughs> and that God, I think was, was trying to get me there because he wanted me to, to learn a lot of things. Mm. And he wanted me to learn more about who he is. It was, a, I think, a huge part of my discipleship and in, in my relationship with him, just growing in that. Yeah, he wanted to give me a deeper sense of his heart for, for people in the world and those that are suffering and those that are in really difficult circumstances. And so when I look back at those six months, I look back at it as kind of a, a formative time, a training ground, a time where, where God just wanted to speak to me. He wanted me to go deeper into scripture and really understand his heart for the world, for the broken, for orphans, for widows, for those that are suffering. It was incredible. And so I was just a sponge. I walked with some amazing African leaders, um, people from around the world that have given their lives to serving the most vulnerable and I just soaked up as much as I could, learned so much, saw the heart of God through people and through what he just showed me himself. That was six months. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, I jumped into university about a month later. <laughs> yeah. And so you were going to UWL? Yeah. Went to Western, did business for a couple of years and then did business at um, the Ivy School of Business mm-hmm. at Western as well. So that was four years. And from there you were, I understand you got into some corporate stuff and... 
Yeah, I was working in Toronto doing, I guess, like strategy and analytics work. Um, mm -hmm. I try to tell that to my friends. They're like, we don't know what that means. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't really know either. Put that okay. in layman's <laughs> terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially just a business type uh, corporate job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have a, a degree in business. What did you come out of? You? Yeah, degree. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then from there, where did you go? Well, from there, that's where I started wrestling and really thinking about that experience in Africa when I was 20. Mm -hmm. And some things had really stuck with me from that time. I don't know, I, I guess just every day, the grind, uh, going in, doing something that I, I didn't feel a ton of fulfillment or, or purpose mm -hmm. in, and it, it felt like I was just working for a paycheck. Yeah, thinking about, about Africa, and eventually I just kind of pulled the trigger, quit my job, and... Uh, and decided to go back, and, and that's where I've been for the last three years. For three years, wow. Yeah. So, wow, that's, and what a, what a change, like you went on the, you had the experience initially, mm -hmm. you know, then you went back to school, and you got involved, you were obviously fairly successful in what you were doing with business, and then yet you, you weren't fulfilled, mm -hmm. maybe, and that Africa, was it God that was calling you back there, do you think? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tell a bit of a story of that time in 2011 when I was in Africa. And I had spent a month in a country called Zambia, which is kind of central or just, just below the DRC. Yeah, I saw poverty there that I, I hadn't experienced in my life. And I remember vividly um, one day going out to a community and I'm walking these kind of dusty roads, seeing the, the people in this village. And there's these kids that, you know, they look at you because you're, you're foreign and you're white and they kind of look at you like a celebrity and so these kids are running over. I've got like four or five kids on each of my arms and I'm just walking around this village and I'm walking with this, this Zambian lady who is a part of the organization and a local pastor, just walking with them and they lead me to this house and we're, we're clearly there to go visit this family and they introduce me to this young girl and she must have been five or six years old and like, unlike the other kids that were swarming us and wanting to, you know, touch my arm and touch the hair on my arm and all of that, mm -hmm. I stuck out my hand to, to shake hers and her eyes looked up on me and I don't think it mattered at all that I was there. It's like her eyes just looked right through me yeah. and, and she shook her hand and she, she shook mine. It was strange to me and so I, I, it kind of took me aback and then we met her family, we met her grandparents, and her, her mother was just basically sitting outside on this mat and tried to introduce ourselves, and she was just kind of lying there and looked like sick. She, she didn't look like she was, she was doing well, and the pastor just kind of introduced us. I, I'm kind of caught in translation here as mm -hmm. they are talking to the family and translating back and forth. And so we were there for a little while, and then they wrapped up the time and kind of said, okay, can we all like pray for the young girl, Belinda? And well, that, was, that was strange. So, so we all prayed for her. And I remember leaving their house and thinking, like, why, did, why weren't we praying for the mother? And it just, it just felt a little, like, something felt, felt just weird to me about the, the whole moment. And, and we go to uh, the care point that we had set up there and feeding kids and caring for them there from that community and spent the rest of the day there and then went home. And that night, uh, got a message from, from that lady and the mother had died. And there was just something that happened in me because, you know, I'd heard about 6,000 children becoming orphans every day in sub-Saharan Africa alone. 
I'd heard these stories, but then when you see it, you see one of those individuals directly before your eyes and you meet this little girl and started learning more about her story and, you know, her grandmother and her step-grandfather and her mother and her were living in this house. But because she was a burden on the family as like a five-year-old, they had actually not wanted her at the house because she was just another mouth to feed. And then when we actually started a, a care point there, um, the organization, like she, she was able to get a meal. And so she was less of a, a, I'm putting it in quotes, like a burden on the family. And so they let her come stay with her again. And then just the reality that now her mother, the one person that would stand up or fight for her was gone. And she was left with these grandparents who had basically rejected her and neglected her her entire life. And now that interaction where I, where I tried shaking her hand and she just looked right past me just made so much sense. Mm. Yeah, and in that moment, like it's crazy because God just spoke his heart to me. His heart for, for little kids like that, for little girls like Belinda. And I could just sense how heartbroken he was. Mm. That it wasn't just that I felt something, but it was actually that God was somehow entrusting me with his heart for the world, for humanity, for people that are suffering, for injustice. And we read this scripture that God is a God of justice who defends widows and orphans, who, who cares deeply. And then I think sometimes we see what's happening in the world and we go, well, God, like, mm-hmm. if you actually care about this, why aren't, you, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you changing it? And I don't have the answer to that, but I know how deeply he cares about it from what he showed me, from, yes. from what he showed me in his heart. Which is vastly different. I mean, yeah. many people turn and don't don't believe in God until something till till they look at the bad situation and they have someone to blame. Yeah. And say, God, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know. I learned in that, like like I'd rather God like whisper something to me to speak to me and it absolutely breaks me than anything else in the world. There's mm-hmm. there's a weight to it that's that's heavy. There's a weight to it that is really hard. There's a responsibility that's then put on you when God when God breaks your heart, when he shows you his heart for the world. But there's just this unspeakable joy and peace, even in that knowing that like the God of the universe is somehow entrusting you and somehow wanting to share how he feels about the world. And there's just, I can't compare it to anything. The most special thing mm. in, yeah, in my life is, is being able to know God. That sounds like a really very authentic, real experience you've had when the way you're hearing you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the essence I get from you about it is that this is something that is profound. Yeah. An experience that has been profound and changed you and changed your life mm-hmm. compared to other things you've experienced in life. Definitely. Yeah, everything else is paled. And mm-hmm. that's why the idea of, you know, working to make money or or something like that is it's hard for me when mm-hmm. when I know God's heart for humanity, for people, and, and just what he's asked us and called us into as Christians, right? Mm. There's so much need yeah. in the world. Everywhere. I mean, there's poverty everywhere. Yeah. There are areas that, like, obviously, Africa's terrible and has is an off, is really huge amount of poverty. And, and, and But you're working also with orphans as well. and Yeah, orphan I mean, and vulnerable kids is kind of the focus of... Kids. Um, of the ministry. What type of things are you guys doing to help them over there? I guess the majority of the ministry is is focused around holistic care for for a child. And so that's daily food. Mm-hmm. We help with education and in healthcare. But like really the focus is on on having local men and women 
that that visit these children, that know them by name, that are a part of their lives, that can, mm-hmm. in some cases, play a parental type role, mm-hmm. and to show them who Jesus is. And mm-hmm. so we do that in many different ways, but a lot of it is just in the very mundane, in the simple act of of showing up and going to these communities and walking alongside people and walking a long journey and uh, just trying to introduce them to the Jesus that has transformed our life, who brings healing, who wants to know them intimately. We just trust him in that and that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us as we do that and that he'll open our eyes to the world around. And so there's a practical element of it, just the physical needs of of the children, but much deeper where we know that that only goes so far and that there's spiritual hurt and a spiritual need. You look at a girl like Belinda, you know, we can give her a hot meal the rest of her life, but like her parents are gone. Mm. And the trauma and pain of that is is going to be something that she deals with and mm. comes up for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a much deeper need there than just the practical. And so that's really the emphasis of the organization. There's just some incredible people that have given their lives and have laid down a lot of different things to to go serve and to go just faithfully walk that journey and love people and care for them Mm -hmm. and and so that's what i was a a part of in a sense not as someone that was always doing that sometimes a lot more in the background just administrative stuff or helping us assist people in just little ways so that Mm -hmm. they could go be that and do that for people Mm -hmm. yeah it's incredible so if somebody was interested do they have a website or anything that people could look yeah look? i think www.handsatwork.org www.handsatwork.org yeah interesting so you've made it back to canada and where are you now what's going on yeah so i've been in london back at home just visiting with friends and family taking a bit of a break to discern the future obviously everything with with covid happening right now travel is a bit more restricted and so yeah, my girlfriend and I are just kind of discerning together what mm-hmm. we, we want the, the next season of our life to, to look like and um, just how we want to get involved and be Christ to people and live missional. And yeah, we don't have all the answers to that yet. So mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely we, we can use the prayer and essentially we don't know. <laughs> so, right. uh, but we're, we're trusting in God and just seeking him to, to continue to guide us as he's done this far in our lives. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As far as are you, are you working here? Or are you guys how are, how are you guys just supporting yourselves right now? No, yeah. still in process. Still in process. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you could use a little bit of help, maybe. I've got a bit of savings, so okay. Be okay. All yeah. right. Just want to make sure because <laughs> I like to support what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's no. always it's always there. Yeah. Any message you would leave today for the listeners? Yeah. And uh, and sometimes I say a message you might say to your young self many years later, and there's several songs written like that. What? If I knew then what I know now, or if, you know, this sort of thing. What would you say to people? Maybe something you've learned or something that they could use to help them figure out where they're going in life. Yeah, I think I'm realizing we're just so bombarded, right? We're so bombarded with so many different things, so much news, so much change. That's, that's what I'm picking up since I've been home for about a month. And I, I, I see a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of, yeah, just confusion. And I, I, I guess... I'm also experiencing that at the same time, so it's not like I have the answers to that. But I think, I think for me, the hugest thing in my relationship with God is that, is that we can know Him. And Jesus came and lived the life He lived and died the death that He did so that we could 
be made right before God and so that we could know him and experience him and have a relationship with him and that he would uh, walk with us daily. He would lead us, he would guide us, he would teach us and um, just show us and help us sift through all the different information and things that are coming at us every day and lead us into truth and and to show us more of his character and who he is. But it does require a bit of courage amongst us. It takes a bit of boldness to to ask God to, to really identify in things that in us that need to change or, or things in us that are preventing us from really living the life that he has for us. Mm-hmm. Giving us the strength to to die to ourselves, our desires and all these things. Like that's the invitation of Christianity, which is crazy. It's not come and have your sins forgiven. It's come and die mm. that you might have life. And we receive forgiveness and we receive this invitation into a relationship with the God of the universe. And it's incredible, but we have to die to some of those things. You know, I've been reading Ecclesiastes recently, and it's just, we're just chasing after the wind. Mm. We're just living our, our, our lives, just kind of, you know, running and grasping at that thing that we, we can't actually get a hold of. It's something and then elusive. It's, right? Yeah, yes. and it's a bit further, and it's a bit more. And mm-hmm. if I just had more, if I just had this relationship in place, if I just had this and this, then I could serve God and, or then I would be happy, mm-hmm. maybe is the... Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. You know, maybe tomorrow I'll be happy. Yeah. And so I think maybe the advice that I, I need to give myself as well is just get back to the simplicity of the gospel and just seek God above all and give him the space and quiet myself enough to actually hear what he has for me and and pray dangerous prayers. Like that, that prayer I told you, God... Mm. Break my heart for the things that break yours. That's a dangerous prayer. Because when he tells you, there's a weight to that. He doesn't burden us or show us his heart on things just so that we feel something. He shows us his heart and he breaks our heart to compel us to action. That's the danger. Mm. It might interrupt your whole life. But yeah, what I've been able to experience so far in my short, (laughs) short life is that he keeps interrupting my plans and my dreams and the vision I have for my life. And it's just way better. (laughs) <laughs> and it's way sweeter and just knowing him is better than anything else that I've I've tasted in life. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And sharing. And that that is a challenge even for me, for anyone that's listening. Mm. It, like you say, it, it may be be ready. It mm-hmm. may not happen instantly, but if you pray that, something's gonna happen. Definitely. It's like asking God for patience. Yeah. Guess what? You're going to have situations to develop patience. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, God bless you. I and, appreciate uh, it. And so, again, just thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Dave. Describe a view this way. The
hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 226-545-3733. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That number again is 226-545-3733. God bless you.